What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Couple on Fire podcast. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the number one reason for divorce. And when is that coming up? Right this second. Thank you so much for joining us on the Couple on Fire podcast. This podcast is for couples, for marriages, and for families within the Christian community. We exist to help break the stigma that happens within the Christian community. We're talking about divorce, we're talking about addiction, and we're talking about so much more. We believe that all this is possible in this life strictly based on the power of Jesus Christ and his ability to restore us fully. Let's dive in. (laughs) What is up, everybody? Welcome to today's show. I'm one of your hosts, Josh, here with the always beautifully amazing Miss Christy. How are you? I'm sporty today. She just sporty said, and comfy. I forgot to take my pills after dinner. She goes, do you think I have time? This was during the intro. And she sprinted to the kitchen and came back sliding in, popping pills in her mouth right now. <laughs> Taking her medicine because she is like someone's grandmother when it comes to remembering medicine. She is spot on it. Color-coded tabs, like the whole works. It's hilarious, actually. I'm an old soul. She is an old soul. She uses old terminology for things. Like, she is an old, old soul. Uh, Super funny. Hey, if you haven't had a chance yet and you're brand new, maybe you've been on, have never been on our podcast before, uh, help us out. Uh, Hit share or like and subscribe, depending on what platform you're on. We'd really appreciate that. If you're on the App Store and you've listened to us on iTunes, uh, help us out. Give us a review. Leave us an honest one. We do still appreciate that. Okay. Do you have anything you want to share with us? I mean, talking about reviews, if you have our journal, go on to Amazon and give us a star review. Only five star though. <laughs> Anything less than that? Not one. <laughs> right, it's a Not a one star. Sorry, no, we don't want your review. <laughs> all right, five. We only sell fives. Five stars only. All right, oh, all right kidding, all right. kidding, so, kidding, kidding. Anything else other than nasty bribery type of comments you want to make? <laughs> yeah, I do. Oop, here it comes. So, oh yay! Carrie and Rob made it. Oh cool. Yeah, they said they had some things they had going on today, so that's cool. All right, we weren't sure we'd be able to uh, be here tonight. Junior High Parent Info Night at 6 p.m. We remember that. We don't have to do that anymore. It's awesome. But it ended early. We rushed home. Awesome, guys. Didn't even yeah. stop for my Diet Coke. Ooh, oh, man. man, I feel special. Well, I'm going to be sipping on a Coke Zero for you today. <laughs> don't so. rub it in her face. No, hey, I'm enjoying one in her favor. So my funny story, well, not funny story. Well, it is funny story. But my thing that I want to talk about, I normally always... Um, What's up? What's up? Oh. Says, hey guys, watching with my ex-wife. Saw you guys at Brooklyn Boys. Oh, that's right. At a while back when we went for Mother's Day. We went and uh, ate and then went and played putt-putt golf. Oh, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. So glad you're here. Man, we loved getting to know you. Yeah, it was fun. You were, you were fun to meet. Yeah. You were awesomely fun We to need meet. to keep this connection. Thanks for watching. Right. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, what were you going to say? So, you know, us moms, okay, we get, we have a lot of guilt. We have a lot of guilt that we carry about our kids. I'm sure guys do too, but I'm talking about moms, you know, about the things that we are going to do for our kids and we don't do and all this stuff. So when Graydon was younger, he uh, was, was like five or six years old, was massively into Thomas the Train up until he was probably like, I would say nine, eight or nine years old. Cause then he really got into dinosaurs. And every year around this time, we get Thomas the Train, a real live one, a big one that pulls an actual train that you ride on. 
And he comes and his eyes move and his mouth moves and all this stuff at Crossroads Village. And every year he would say, I want to go. And I would say, I'm sorry, babe. I promise we'll go next year. We don't have the money. And I never took him. Right. And a couple years back, we were riding in the car somewhere and he even said like, yep. And you never took me. Right. And I'm like, dang it. You know, and I already have 19 now. He's 19 now. Okay. And I have a lot of guilt about it still to this day. So it was a God thing. I think I was scrolling Facebook and lo and behold, last Friday night, last minute, I see Thomas is in town for the weekend. And I said, Graydon, do you want to go see Thomas the train? Will you allow me to take you to see Thomas the train on Sunday morning? (laughs) He said, yes. So I took him and the whole time, like, I'm like, Hey, I'm a lot more excited about this than you. Okay. This is clearing my conscience. We rolled the train. We got pictures. We did it all. And as we're leaving, Graydon says, your debt has been paid. And I'm like, yes. So clearing conscience with Thomas the train. That's right. I even got pictures taken. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I made him. Yeah. (laughs) What she requested. Mm -hmm. So she didn't force me. Okay. She was like, seriously, if you don't want to, that's okay. But I did because I'm a nice guy like that. And Thomas the Train is cool. It, the the Thomas it the Train, train ride is cool. for like forty five minutes. It was. It was long. It was cool oh. because there was an open cart that was in the back. And we got to sit in that. It was kind of nice actually. Yeah, it was cool. I've never been before. It was really neat. Okay, so today we want to talk about the number one reason for divorce. It's actually surprising, believe it or not, what the number one reason for divorce is. If you had to guess, what do you think would be the number one reason for divorce? Well, I already know. No, what would you guess? <laughs> Okay, this is where we're playing along, okay? Like, you have to play along with this. You posted it in our group, too. I'm asking you <laughs> what you would guess would be the number one reason. It can't be what it is. It what? can't be what... No, I would say communication. Communication? Yeah. Really? I would say that it would be infidelity. Oh. That's what my guess is, or... Oh, yeah, no, no, let me... I'm, I take... I take my answer back. <laughs> is that all that I take my, I take my answer back. No, I would say the number one reason for a divorce is a lot of women check out like a year or two before the divorce is even finalized because they're not emotionally like Supported. being cared for. Mm. They feel like they're a lot of women, not all. Okay, let's not get into that. But a lot of women feel like it's another child. You know, that you have another child that you have to pick up after, do their laundry, do all these things. Yeah. And it's not. So they start checking out even before the divorce is finalized i think that's true uh most men that are, was my that was me most men are emotionally inept right we are like we're good it's funny so we went to a picnic for christy's work over the weekend and i met a guy that uh some christy works with a woman and her she brought her husband right to this place and i got introduced to the husband and it was funny like we just kind of had this quick interchange of like yeah, well, no one remember each other's names. And actually, most guys, we don't really care. Like, oh, yeah. We don't care. Like, guys are just emotionally different than they are for women. Women would be like, oh, let's go to the bathroom together. Guys are like, no. He said, like, okay. we could even be around each other for hours and be like, oh, yeah, we don't even know each other's name. Yeah. And like, that's true. Yeah. Because guys are different than girls. Yeah. You know, because most women are like, that's crazy to me. Like, yeah, why? that is you... crazy. Right. It's kind of like the drop, the drop like the in bas- drop in basketball. basketball. Like, drop in basketball makes no sense to women. Yeah. Like, how can you go and have an agreement on the rules, right? And just get There's no the power struggle. There's no power struggle. It's the weirdest thing. And nobody knows anybody's name, but everybody's really cool with it. That's because guys are different than women. Yeah. But that's part of the problem, right, when it comes to divorce, is that there's so many things that can cause deep-rooted issues in 
husbands and wives, they just let things fester until it eventually ends. So the actual, the number one reason why people get divorced, and it's actually by far, it is commitment issues. And so today we want to kind of talk about uh, four different things when it comes to commitment and commitment issues within your marriage. Are you ready? I am born ready. Oh, she, she's, she's got her motor running. Okay, she's ready to roll. Get your motor running. <laughs> the first thing is misunderstanding what commitment truly means. To each other. Yeah, to each other. Yeah, yes. that's exactly right, right? Especially in which blended... Which comes communication, which is what you were talking about. Yes, right? especially in blended families, though, too, because you feel like, you know, you've been married once before. So a lot of commitment issues, like sitting down, you're getting ready to get married to the person. Let's say you're young, you talk about your life, what all you're going to be doing. A lot of that doesn't necessarily even get discussed if you go to marriage counseling, sometimes that they cover it. But even then in a second marriage or a third marriage, you don't go to a marriage counselor a lot of the times. You don't go to a marriage coach. Mm -mm. You don't go to any of those things. Mm -mm. You both have been married already. You both assume the other has the same commitment level as you do. Maybe in the last, maybe the person you're marrying, their their last commitment was they were swingers. You don't know. You know, like their commitment's different than your commitment. Maybe. (laughs) So you need to talk about it, though. And I think that's the lack of communication. Like, what does commitment look like to you? Yeah. I think it is different for everybody. What do guys' nights look like to you? What What is all those girls' nights out? Yeah. Go, like, what does all that look like to you? Yeah, what is a truly committed relationship? What does a committed relationship look like to you? Like, there's many times, I think, when you get married young, that you are a female and you have male friends, right? Male friends, you go hang out with your male friends, like all of these things. And the same thing with guys. You may have girls that are friends. And then you go through marriage, whatever, blah, blah, blah. You end up getting divorced. You get remarried. And all of a sudden now, you're not having those same discussions right. that you had yeah. the first time around, That's true. right? What is your commitment now? Well, you cheated on your spouse last time or you were cheated on or whatever the last time. Like, we have a different agreement on what commitment looks like, right? There's a different level of commitment. Like, okay, it doesn't, it's not okay now you still go hang out with women, right? And, you know, go whatever, go out on Tuesday nights with your girlfriends and you're a guy, you know, <laughs> Right. Yeah, it's a, but I it's do a think different the, level of commitment. I think that every relationship is different, and I think that's why we're saying like you guys need to talk about it. Yes, because some relationships we know people that the guy goes and hangs out with his best friend who's a girl, or you know the girls constantly going out with all these guys because they're all friends and they work together and whatever it is. But they're going out after hours to dinner, and it works for them, right? That's something that they safe and, and it's they safe agree. and they've agreed upon it. But that's why we're saying this because a lot of times you don't talk about those things before you get married, and then you get married, and then you guys are fighting about what that looks like. And then this is why it's the number one yeah. reason of divorce because your marriage should be your number one priority once you're there mm-hmm. and married now. Yeah. And it's like, we each have to make compromises in order for this to work. So what does it look like to you? What does commitment look like to you? What does commitment look like to me? And sometimes they're on completely ends of the spectrum and you guys have to find a place to come in the middle. Yeah, I think uh, talking about commitment when it comes to this is having a big misunderstanding. It could be that, especially if you're into a marriage later in life, if you're in your 30s and you get remarried to somebody or married for the first time to somebody, maybe they have a career that's highly demanding 
and they're not about to change that that career that they have career, career path to adjust for their marriage. Maybe they're not going to. Maybe this is what they've decided, and they didn't. You didn't have this discussion before you got married, and now you're into marriage, and your spouse leaves on traveling trips for work every two months, and they're gone for a month at a time. Yeah, like. Now your spouse is going to think, okay, you're not very committed to this relationship, mm -hmm. but this communication about what commitment truly is, maybe this person's like, what do you mean? I'm fully committed. Yeah. Like, like this you is knew just about my, my career before we Correct. got married. You just never yeah. talked about the true commitment. And I think a big misunderstanding needs to be understood by, by having clear conversations around yeah. wh what does commitment mean to you? Yeah. And what does commitment mean to me? And let's talk about those things. Agreed. So setting those clear expectations and boundaries, right, is what we do. All right, so number two. Boundaries is a good one. Boundaries. Talk about that. Number two is what about unbalanced goals, right, individual and shared goals? True. We've talked about it on one of our other podcasts about, like, an individual, like, working out goal. And let's say I decide just all of a sudden I'm going to be hardcore fit and I'm going to get into CrossFit and I'm constantly going five days a week after work to go do this. And that's something that Josh doesn't want to do. But so I'm constantly in a co-ed environment after him and I, and I have been married. I think it goes back to having the communication of what commitment looks like to each other from the beginning, mm -hmm. because Josh and I really, we've said this so many times, like we talked ourselves to death about everything that came up and we rehashed and rehashed and rehashed things until we finally at least came up with a compromise about things because uh, we talked about if we were ever going to get healthy and be working out, we would be doing it together. Josh used to be a runner in a very, you know, he set records and all this stuff. He was like a marathon runner. I don't know. I was never into that. Okay. Running is not fun to me. And so like when him and I started really getting fit together, we're not fit now. When we were getting fit together for our wedding, okay, different goal, um, we were up to walking like five miles a day and we were doing like seven minute, eight, 11 minute, 20. Something. No. Yeah. We were doing two. So yes. Five miles. We were doing five miles is what I'm oh, saying. Oh, we oh. were up to doing like, I think it was between eight and 10 minute miles walking. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he would prefer to run like you would prefer to actually start yeah. like jogging. He even tried to encourage me sometimes like, hey, let's just run a little bit. And then you stop, do like interval things. And I tried for a little bit, which I'm always a good sport at first. And then I decide I hate it. And then I take it out on him for him making me do that. And what was he thinking? And he should know me better and all the things. So isn't that right? Oh, spot on. <laughs> it's like, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> yeah. So he exactly has right. compromised and we walk. Now we get up to walking a pretty good speed and so but it's not running to him. I wish you guys I'll have to record him sometime and post a video in our group of him speed walking. Oh. He could enter competitions as a speed walker and keep up with the majority of us joggers that jog at his speed walking. It's level. kind of a joke at this point. It reminds me of like uh, Ace Ventura how he walks. I don't know how it's humanly possible how you walk that fast. Uh, it's just being goofy. But I think one of the biggest things that I've noticed when it comes to be, having shared goals in our past is something we didn't talk about is when our kids started getting involved in things. Mm. Okay. Mm, and then, mm, mm. And, then mm. and then at one point, my son wanted to get involved in playing hockey. And I was like, 
one of my goals in life was I wanted my son to be able to do things that I didn't do or wasn't able to do. And so without sharing that type of goal and desire with my wife, my wife then became a victim of that circumstance because it became almost, I became almost a bulldozer when it came to that because I didn't make it about me. I made it about my son, which ultimately I was making it about me because it was what I wanted. And so in that ended up becoming a lot of damage. Okay. So we, I wanted to do hockey. Hockey is a travel sport right here in Michigan. Like the most expensive sport. It's like one of the most expensive travel sports. So not only did it take up all of our time, (coughs) our kids were too little to stay home by themselves. We didn't have sitters to sit and watch them. They are, all the other kids had to get lugged around every practice that we went to, every game that we went to, every tournament that we went to. And not only that, we could not afford to do this at the time. So we were making it work. And I say we, she humbly went ahead and did this for as long as I wanted to do it until the smelling salts came about. And I'm like, okay, what am I, what's going on here? And that is a fine example of unbalanced shared and individual goals is that was an individual desire goal that I wanted that was not shared with my partner. And that put a lot of weight on us a lot. It did. But let's just talk about this. Honestly, I was really upset when we first started having in you in your relationship will come into some kind of fight or something like this too. And Josh did bulldoze me. This was early on in our relationship. His son, you know, was, he really didn't hear anything that anybody has to say when it comes to his, when his kid at the time. And so I tried to tell him like, what if my oldest son decided that he wanted to play hockey? How are we going to afford that? All of these things. And he wasn't budging on it, right? Like we'll make it work. We'll make it work. We'll make it work. And in that moment, I could have really dug my heels in and just been like, you can make it work then. I'm not making it work, which would have eventually over time. Now, Josh only played, ended up playing hockey for like three years and he ended up deciding he didn't want to play anymore. So all of that got worked out. Uh, Or we could have still ended up getting a divorce or been divided or bitter against each other to this day over that. Instead, I'm just like, okay, well, then how can we make it work? And we found um, a place called Fuse. It was Families United for Sports and Entertainment. We could go and volunteer. Mind you, I was working more than a full-time job at the time. But on the weekends or on Fridays, we could go volunteer at a concert, Pine Knob or stuff like that around. And then the the concession stand we were at, whatever tips and everything we got, it was divided up against through everybody. And she never barks, ever. Um, gets divided up against the group and it gets put in a bank account. And then when it's time to buy stuff, you buy it, you submit your receipts, you get reimbursed for it. And that was tough. That All of that was tough on our relationship, but we had fun when we ended up going to those events. I had to stop him from killing people sometimes at the at going to them. And now when looking back, I mean, that only was like two or three years out of our 14 year relationship and me compromising onto something and just making it work, figuring it out, doing prayer, all of those things, leaning into God, just being in the middle of our relationship. It ended up working out and we shouldn't have done it. But we did, and now it's fine. Yeah, you didn't get bitter, though. You did concede yeah. to that, you know? Yeah. And I think, and when we start doing things like that within our marriage, it the seesaw goes both ways, right? I yeah. saw the grace and the love that you wanted to support me in that. Eventually- We fought about yeah, it. And eventually I knew, okay, but I didn't get this better. is not the right thing to be doing, even though it's something that I wanted to be doing. Yeah. And there's a big difference in that. 
And yeah. we still could be bitter today. We could have a hard time having these conversations about yeah. this stuff, and we don't. No. And so, because we're both honest with ourselves, though, too. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to be that way. I didn't understand what it meant to put my spouse uh, in front of my children, which is important. It's biblical. It's what you do. It's that's a whole other podcast that we could do on our own, but it's just really important. So, some things to avoid, right? Is identifying and prioritizing your shared goals, right? Identify them, prioritize them, have communication about them, support each other's individual goals while maintaining focus on the relationship. Christy brought up the CrossFit thing. Is CrossFit something that is good for our marriage or not good for our marriage? If it isn't good for our marriage, let's have a conversation around it. Let's talk about it, something that I desire to do. And where can we meet in the middle? Is there something that we could do together that's yeah. going to help? I want to run. Christy wants to walk. So we walk really, really fast near jogging. Like that satisfied both. Like we, we work out some mm -hmm. things to make it work. So it doesn't lead to commitment issues with between us and then ultimately leading to a divorce. Yeah. Right. All right. So Very number three, good. number three, number three, lack of emotional connection. And you talked about this a little bit earlier. I did. About emotional connection. You talked about it leading into this. Oh, yeah. About having a lack of emotional connection. Oh, yeah. About the women yeah. leading into divorce. I think this yeah. is, I do think this is a, a huge one because it's so easy to kind of fall into. And I think every marriage, whether it's second, third, fourth, fifth, or first, I think every marriage can fall into this where you can kind of get so busy with life and responsibilities and things like that. You just start kind of rooming together, you know, yeah. and it's you just get busy and you stop and you forget to stop for a second and stop what you're doing, grab each other's hands and look each other in the eyes and really do that hug or, or that kiss or really sit down and say, Tell like, how was your day? And that's why like having a specific date night or a date breakfast or something like that is so important because it's to go out and to check in with each other. Like, how are you doing? How have you been feeling? Have I been supporting you well enough? I'm really sorry. I feel like I've been really busy. I haven't. I know I haven't been supporting you well enough. You know, how can we you know, compromise on that? How can we get better? And the, it gives the other person the opportunity to say, I know that you've had extra responsibilities put on you at work. I appreciate this date time. Just talking all those things out and it kind of like resets you guys back to where that emotional connection doesn't get lost. I think that's one of the easiest things to lose in a marriage yeah. because you're together all the time. So you constant, you live together. You're, you're never without unless you go to work, you know, and then you come home. But the, it's always like, they're fine. Like, we just watched TV together last night, you know, or they're fine. Like, I'll talk to them about it this weekend or whatever it is. But we have to remember that guys and girls are different, too. So there's been studies done like me and Josh sitting down on the couch and watching a television program together would still possibly the majority of men satisfy his connection need because guys are connected shoulder to shoulder. And there's been studies done to it. That's why men can sit down. They watch sports together. They do all these things together and it's fine. They're fulfilled. Or stomach to stomach. That satisfies the connection part too. Whatever. Okay. So women are more like face to face, right? So women like face to face connection. So like Josh and I, we could sit on the couch, we could watch something together that would satisfy him. That's quality time to most men. And to women, it's like, let's go out to breakfast together. Let's sit. We can sit across from the table from each other, 
drink coffee and actually have conversation. That's a satisfying tool. Most women, right? So I think these are the things that we need, you need to talk about in your relationship and you need to remember. I agree. I think that when it comes to commitment, it's based off of two major things with everybody. It's values and desire, right? Commitment comes down to either your value system, right? I am a person that chooses to commit to things, right? I'm choosing to commit. I think you have a high level or high value of commitment. You're a very committed person, mm -hmm. right? You are, you will stay with things. You will read two pages of a book, but you'll read the whole thing, even if the first two pages are horrific, mm -hmm. right? You are very committed, which is a value thing. And then it comes down to the desire. Like you have to choose, like, do I want to, to, to grind this out, even though then it's not great right now, do I have the desire to stay committed? And that's where something like emotions keeps us in it, right? If we're removing our emotional connection mm -hmm. with somebody, we lose our desire to stay committed or stay in committed moments, even though it doesn't, it, things aren't going great. Well, I think it's seasons of your life too. So yeah. if you and your spouse are like, hey, we're going through the toddler phase right now and we really don't have any time together and we're going through it, but we're in it together. Yeah. Like to remind each other you're in it together. Agreed. Teenage teenage phases. I mean, you more so want to kill the kids. Together. Than like, each that's other. a good bonding thing. Yeah, yeah, but you still can, you guys can fight about that. Like you may feel like one teenager needs to, you know, completely be grounded, get their car taken away and not be able to go do anything. And the other parent may feel like they're learning how to spread their wings. We can't lock them down too hard right now because that would make it worse. And you guys may fight about that. That could make the emotional connection lose because yep. a lot of couples just stop talking about the things. Yep. And then what happens is Josh and I used to call it a wedge, like little wedges start. And then that just gets to be wider and wider and wider mm -hmm. until there's a cavern between the two of you. And it's going to take that much longer to come back together. It's harder because you become lost in your relationship between in those caverns, you don't really know, understand how to reconnect because in life we do change over time. Naturally we change, we yes. all change. And the more that time goes in between each other, the harder it is to come back together because you have to relearn each other. Yeah. You know, and that's really, really hard, but that's why emotional connection keeps the desire of commitment strong. Because like you said, you're going to go through seasons. Like mm. it's going to happen. Yeah. You're going to have seasons of amazing. You're going to have seasons of, horrifically bad in some moments and bad and struggle and all these things. And if you're, if you're lacking that, that emotional connection with your spouse, your commitment, your agreeing to commitment levels are going to be super low. Well, like Josh and I right now are going through something weird. Okay. So like we never, since this is our second marriage, uh, we married, got together. You have Insta family, right? Like you are, have kids, you're bringing the kids in together. <clears throat> so we've always, we've never lived in a home and had like, our own little space first before kids were brought into that. Mm -hmm. And now it's like our last kid that's actually living at home, Graydon, who just graduated high school this past year, he is going to be going off to college in a year. But for right now, he has a job and his job right now is mostly at nights. So he's working like every single night until like 930 at night. And it's really weird because we come home, little Josh is off to college. The other two have moved out. And now Graydon's gone every single night. I'm like, it's kind of like we're empty nesters. We've It's weird. I'm like, we've never felt like we could just run around the house like, ah, like screaming if we want to, naked if we want to, <laughs> like any of that. We've never had that before. So it's kind of like a really weird feeling, too, because our brains automatically just assume there's a kid in his room playing his video game or whatever. So that's a different season that we're working through. Right it is. Now. And if you don't have that emotional connection with your spouse during those times, you're going to struggle. Yeah. 
you're going to struggle hard. You're not going to know what to do because you end up focusing all your energy on your children. Yeah. We learned though through the years that we could focus our energy on our children. Mm-hmm. Right. We focus us together mm-hmm. towards our children. And then once our children started moving up and out, like we didn't we don't find it difficult for us to stay connected. No, like, it's still sad, though. Well, you know, I mean, for some of us, it's sad. Some of us are like two thumbs up. Yay. OK, number four, number four, number four. What about mishandling external pressures? It's a tough one. It's not a tough one for me. So, <laughs> so a lot of ex- easy button <laughs> external pressures, I think that are mishandled in a lot of relationships are the mothers, mothers, outside mothers, like the mother of your spouse, the uh. mother-in-laws. And I think especially as females, a lot of females have a very close relationship with their mother. And so I feel like they it's really degrading to the man when you're constantly calling your mom and you're talking about your relationship or how they screwed up or your version of it to your mom, to them. I think it really doesn't set clear boundaries in your relationship and it really is mishandling external factors outside of your marriage. I want to talk about the one, the big elephant in the room when it comes to outside pressures. Mother-in-laws. No, I could care less. <laughs> no, uh, church. Oh, yeah. I think church is something that's real easy for us to get super focused in that really literally pulls us away from our relationship with our spouse. Mm-hmm. We allow that to happen. And it's super, super easy to do. And it's not an intentional thing, right? Because it gets down to good, better, and best, right? We could get ourselves involved in church. I'm not saying this isn't a speech on why you shouldn't be involved in church. You should serve. Hear my heart heart at this. But you need to understand your priorities, okay? Your priorities are God and then your spouse, then your family, your children. And then after that, it it starts falling down from that. And your church falls in line with that. And so, but I see so many times I see people that put, Serving the church, which the church isn't God, right? Serving the church ahead of your spouse in a time with your spouse. I see people at the church all the time, all the time. And they're always doing ministries separate of each other Mm -hmm. all the time. And it's like, how are you pouring into your marriage ever? You know, it's what you're doing is you're slowly eroding the commitment to your spouse by pouring into something that we feel is good, which it is good. But everything needs to find balance. Well, and I agree with that. But I think the church has also done a massive misservice because we have spoken to a lot of people, pastors included, from all different states, couples, blended family, nuclear families. And there are a lot of churches that don't have any type of real marriage ministry or a blended family marriage ministry. So that's not even promoted within the church. So people, we come in in our couples and we start, um, volunteering within the church and each person going back up to um, shared goals. Each person may have a different ministry that they want to serve yeah. within in the church. So one person, it may be ministry. One person, it might, I mean, nursery. One person it might be the nursery. One person, it might be the teens. One person, it might be the worship band. One person might be video, all of those things. And then the next thing you know, you're doing all of those things separate, but it's for the greater good. And you're not spending any time together because, like many churches, 20% do 100% of the work. (laughs) And it's there's always needs in the church. There's always needs for volunteers. There's always needs for that. 
But if you don't have proper boundaries and talks about it in your relationship, you will start to just serve, 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 serve you guys selves right out of a marriage. You pull your commitment straight away from your spouse. Yeah. And so I think that, that is an important conversation to have because you should serve in the church. Yes. You should do those things. Absolutely. But you have to be prepared, maybe to have conversations beforehand of how many ministries you're you're each going to be serving mm -hmm. in. Um, is there a marriage group that you could become a part of within the church to make it better? Yep. Uh, things like that, just because you do have to be very, very cautious when it comes to that. You do. And I bring that up because we are very involved in the church. Yes. Right. But we also are very cautious on the things that we get overly involved in. So if there was a marriage ministry, that's exactly what something we would want to be involved in, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's something we do together. Christy and I like to do, we do CR, we do it together, right? We do Celebrate Recovery. That's a ministry that we do. That's our big ministry. That's something that we do. We do together. Uh, Christy, you know, is, does part of the uh, worship, is on part of the worship band. That is not something we do together, but she doesn't sing every single week. It's just not like this is a commitment she's doing you know, twice a week. So it's just small things like that. You know, we make sure that we're like, okay, we want to make sure that these, these external commitments, mm -hmm. when it comes to work, we've had to have long talks early on in your career about you being gone too long or mm -hmm. being involved in work too long. I'm, Cause I can be a workaholic. It's very easy for me to slide. Yeah. You're very, very good at it, but we had the conversation about it and we made sure to realign what mattered to us in our marriage and the commitment stays strong with us. I know your commitment. I know your commitment always is to God and then to me. And I know that like, I don't, I can count on that. And because of that, she proves that to me. Cause I know if we have hard conversations, she's willing to understand that the marriage comes first, you know, that commitment needs to come first. And so that is something that we work super hard on. Well, I mean, let's just talk about it. So we went on vacation, I don't know, like two months ago now. Well, it was called a vacation for mm -hmm. our kids, but it ended up not feeling like a vacation for Josh and I, but um, before we went on vacation, Josh sat down and we've had the, this in our relationship to where I actually hear him now. He had to do a 14 years of work on that, you know, for me to hear him, but he sat down and he didn't come to me and say, okay, I think we need to set some clear cut boundaries. When we go on vacation, you're on vacation. You are not to be working. He sat down and said, because he knows me, he knows that I would be sneaking off in the bathroom with my phone to check emails and do all the things. So he sat down with me and said, listen, we're getting ready to go on vacation. I think it's really important that you learn to be present with all of us. Can we set some boundaries where you maybe an hour in the morning and an hour at night you're doing that, but the rest of the day you're present, you know, with all of us, us. And I thought that was really big of him to do because I wasn't even thinking along those lines when we were going to go on vacation. I was just going to do what I always do. Like if we're standing in lines for something, I was going to be checking my emails, mm -hmm. going to the bathroom, checking my emails, all those things. So I think it's really good that he sat me down beforehand because if we would have gotten on vacation and then if he, he would have been like, can you stop working? I would have been like, what? So having those conversations ahead of time, I think is really important. Yeah. Knowing your spouse, how to come to them about something difficult. I knew that was going to be a difficult task, but I knew in advance. I'm like, okay, this has to be something that's agreeable. Yeah. Me, me asking Christy because of her position at her, her company, she's the, one of the top dogs. So I can't say you, I want you completely off radar the whole week. I know that's unacceptable. Like that can't, doesn't work like that, but we can come to some type of agreement that works best for our family, our time, our marriage and yeah. for you. And she was super accepting of that and thought, yes, that's amazing. And she stuck to that. Yeah. Because if I have guidelines of, you know, that yeah. I'll stick to them. That's true. All right.
So we have a special. So my words of wisdom. Christy has some a Christy Keystone moment. Okay, she's been saving this the whole time because she wanted to say something at the very end. So if uh, we so he doesn't mark even the time, he doesn't even know what I'm about. I to don't. Say. It's 34 minutes and 52 seconds. Okay, into the show. This is gonna be a mind blower for everybody. She said, "Here it comes." Bring the heat, girl. Shut up. Bring it. I want to hear it. So when him and I were talking about we were going to do commitment, you know, on commitment, I'm like, let me see. Let me see your ideas and stuff like that to see if it is anything of what I'm thinking in my head. And I'm reading through them. All. I'm like, these are all good. Right. But I really it comes down to I think the number one reason for divorce is commitment. But I think it comes down to we think of commitment wrong. Your commitment should not be to your spouse. Your commitment should be to God and yourself. And I think many, many marriages end up getting divorced because we feel like, oh, I'm supposed to be committed to this person. And then when this person starts failing us, which they will because they're human, that commitment in our brain starts to fade. Mm. So if we to ourselves are committed, like I'm honoring the commitment for myself that I have made to this marriage and I am honoring this commitment for myself to God. Like I have promised God, I'm going to be in this marriage. I'm going to do it. This it's not dependent on this person and how they are fulfilling the expectations that I have in their brain. I'm committed. I'm committed to it. So if Josh starts in my mind to fail or not meet those expectations, my commitment doesn't waver. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to have conversations with him and I'm going to work it out. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where we get a lot of it in marriages skewed. It is. And I think that's real. And that's very good. It is. That's a fantastic point. Cause I think that yeah, is something. Yeah, it was. <laughs> there you go. I wish we should have some applause. <laughs> but I think, I think that we have to, we have to recognize too, that I want everybody to know that. You know, when it comes to what Christy's saying, okay, that doesn't mean that we're stay committed if you're in an abusive relationship or all of these things, right? Mm. Like yeah. we're not we're not talking about that, right? We're talking about a marriage that maybe isn't going the direction that you feel favorable of, you know, like you're not happy with or your spouse yeah. is making you mad or angry or doing stuff that you just don't like or all of these things. It, yes, your commitment level is ultimately to God and to yourself. And I love that. Because if you're willing to do that, you're willing. That means you're willing. Like, look, if I'm going to be committed to this, I'm going to put something into it. Yeah, I'm going to pour into it. I'm going to pull my spouse aside. I'm going to, you know, talk calmly to them. I'm going to talk talk sense to them. I want to have hard conversations. And when you're willing to do that, commitment becomes the number one thing that you champion instead of the number one thing that is being broken. Well, because let's okay, let's just be honest. So Josh and I got into our relationship. As many of you know, if you've been watching any of our podcasts for any length of time, that I was sexually abused for years growing up. I was physically abused for years growing up by multiple different people within my family. And when Josh and I got together, part of my pattern was people do hurt you. Okay. A lot of people in my life had let me down. People that were should have protected me, didn't protect me, all of those things. But then I got into kind of a pattern to where I never let anybody close to me as an adult. And then someone ticks me off, I would hurt them worse, and then they would leave. Then just reinforcing the pattern that I had in my head, like all people leave, all people leave, all mm -hmm. people hurt you. When Josh and I first got together, he made a commitment to me in his own heart, in his own brain to me. Now, every time we got in a fight, I did everything, not not being well aware of it, that I was purposely doing it, but I was always trying to push him away, push him away. Things are bad. I'm going to run, whatever you suck, whatever I needed to do to push him away, push him away and hurt him. And it took him a lot of times to sit me down, grab me by the hand sometimes and be like, I'm not going anywhere. Like I'm 
here. And we're, our relationship is better than this. And I'm going to work through this with you. And it took multiple times and years for him to do that with me to finally where I am healthy and can have these conversations and stuff. And if that commitment wasn't set by yourself in your own heart, in your own mind with God at that time, we would not be together because you would have walked away because I was pushing you away. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's honest. No, I, I I chose the road of, I seen something inside of you that I don't think you saw. Mm -hmm. And I knew that the things that were going on on the outside were a direct reflection of hurt and pain that's happened in your past because I knew your past. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that if I was willing to commit to you, like nobody ever has, that it would give you an opportunity to flourish into the amazing person you are. Yeah. Well, that's, and that's what we're just asking you guys to do for your marriages, because all of you guys have hurts, all of you guys. And like Josh said, we're not talking about abusive relationships. We're not talking about that, but I think emotional abuse gets thrown around very frivolously these days, you know, like, Oh, your spouse, you know, he called me a name. He's emotionally abusing me. All of those things. There's a difference. There is a difference with that. And I'm just saying when things are getting tough and you guys are having the same argument over and over again, it's, we're not talking about physical violence, anything of that infidelity, any of that nature. Um, God can redeem anything. I I do want to say that, but if you can be the one at that time to have grace for your partner and really sit down and let them know in that moment, like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm here to stay. That saves, that could save so many marriages today for that, because we all get so caught up in, I have the right and I deserve Mm. and all of these things. Mm. I shouldn't have, you shouldn't talk to me that way. I shouldn't have to deal with this. All of those things, which isn't true. I mean, everyone's human and your spouse is human and they're going to have pains and hurts and healings that they have to deal with too. Yeah. And I think it, you know, to end on a note of something I shared with Christy recently that I I guess I just never really saw this in my past is that out of all the relationships I've ever had in my entire life, out of all 47 years of my life, Christy is the only person I've ever been faithful to. I've always been unfaithful to every other person person I've ever ever been with ever in my life. And there's a lot of hurt that went along with that. And I'm in a healthy place. And, you know, I'm a God-fearing man today. And I am deeply connected and connected with a woman that truly loves me and pours into our marriage. And I do the same. And I and it's funny how after all these years I never really thought of that because it doesn't matter. I don't see myself of being who that person used to be. I see the person that God redeemed me into. Mm-hmm. And Sometimes it's hard for me to accept and understand, Mm -hmm. but I get to see the proof after 14 years. Like this isn't even anything that I quote unquote have a hard time not doing. It's not hard not to do because I'm constantly staying committed in so many different ways within my relationship that the byproduct of that is I just am not that man anymore committed to God, committed to myself and committed to my spouse. And I think what you said just brings that all the way around full circle. That's so powerful Mm -hmm. because that changes us into something we never thought that we could Mm be. And it's true. And he had to work hard at it again. Poor you. I'm sorry. But he had to work hard at it again because I knew him back then. When I was 18, he was 21. We didn't get together and start dating until I was in my early 30s. Right. So, So I knew him when I was 18 with one of two of his he's only really had three serious relationships and he was basically ending one the last few months of it when I knew him and then starting the, uh, the new one with his now ex-wife 
when I when him and I stopped knowing each other. Mm-hmm. And so I knew who he was back then. And so when him and I, you know, crossed paths and started dating this time, he had to put a lot of work in because I didn't I didn't trust men in general. And I especially didn't trust him because I knew who he was in the past. And so on top of my own hurts with men and things like that, he, we both had to put work in, right? But I feel like he had to put a lot, he had to eat humble pie so much. So I was a huge mountain to conquer, you know, and he put the work in to do it. So yeah, with commitment. For, For both of us. Yeah. Because I know how hard it would be for you to trust somebody that you have proof of how I used to be. Yeah. You know, you had every right to not trust or believe in me, how hard it would be to stay with somebody that I knew that would have such a hard time trusting and believing in me. And because of our commitment levels to, and God, I was to ourselves, you were <laughs> not to me. <laughs> no, no, not to me. But, you know, staying committed with all the things that we've mentioned today, that level of commitment has like, ironclad fortified our relationship and our marriage in mm-hmm. an amazing way. Mm-hmm. Not saying that trust doesn't become an issue. Sometimes it does, but we can quickly rectify it mm-hmm. so fast with things because we're open and we're honest and we're willing to be vulnerable about things and it brings it right back closed again. And that's why, you know, the points that we made today are so important of mm-hmm. remaining truly solidly committed to make sure that you don't end up in divorce. Commitment. Second, div- second marriages end in divorce, like over 70% of there's kids involved. Mm-hmm. Over 70%, which means you have a 30% chance of survival, right? And that's scary and sad. And God doesn't want that. You know, if you're together now, you're married now, whether it's your first, second, third, or 15th, God wants you to honor him in that marriage. So how are you going to stay committed? How are you going to work on your own personal marriage to remain committed to beat the odds? And next week, we have an interview. We might. Maybe. Oh, well, he knows something. I don't well, know. no, we were supposed to have one tonight and it didn't work out. So we don't ever want to promise that next week's going to work, but we always like to say we think it's going to work. We're we going to. We <laughs> She's so funny. Okay. So we want to thank you so much for being here. Uh, do you have anything else? No. Okay. We're good to go. All right. Thank you guys so much for being here. We'll see you next week. If you didn't have a chance yet, hit the share button, like, subscribe, all that fancy jazz. Uh, we have some big stuff coming up. Big, big, big stuff coming oh up gosh. in the future. We do. Yeah. And uh, so stay tuned for that. that well, one of the up. one of the things I'm sorry, sorry. No, oh, what? I interrupted you. So one of the things we had announced a couple podcasts ago, we said we had something big coming up in September. So the managers of the place where we were going to be doing that event actually had too much going on. Their schedules were conflicting with our schedule and all the stuff. We couldn't align on that. So it's actually going to be in February of next year in Flint, Michigan. At a coffee shop in downtown Flint. Yeah, we'll keep everybody updated yeah. on all that. Plus, we have our event coming up. Yep, Perfectly Blended event on November 4th. November 4th. So we'll keep everybody updated on that. We will see you next week, Tuesday, 7 p.m. live. Bye.